You may be seated this morning. Take out your Bibles opening to Psalm 133, that very word of God we just sang about that uh, is our guide, that is our hope because the book points us to Christ. It points us to who God is. It points us to our own fallenness, our own need of a Savior, our own sin nature, and it, it tells us of who Christ is and what He's done for us. And Psalm 133 this morning is a song about unity. It's a song about unity among the people of God, a people of God who gather together on a morning just like this. We come from different things this week, different activities, different events, different experiences, but we gather together in this one place, unified by this one thing. Our, we're in tune with the holiness, the greatness, the glory, the supremacy of God. That's why we're here, to meet with Him. And, and Psalm 133 is written to encourage unity in this way. Keep in mind, these are the psalms of ascent. These are the psalms that, that, that are being sung as the pilgrims, as the people of God are journeying from their homes to Jerusalem to go to worship God. And these are the songs, and these are songs that are to preach to their own hearts. Unity. When we arrive to worship God, we're all different. We've had different experiences. We've got different personalities. We've got different backgrounds. But when we get there... We must be a unified people, united around the greatness, the glory, the supremacy of God in Jesus Christ. Let's read together our text this morning. It's a brief psalm, Psalm 133. David writes, verse 1, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, live forevermore. You notice how the psalm opens up with this just burst of excitement there in verse 1? Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters, when God's people gather together and dwell in unity. What does it mean to dwell in unity? It just means to function in oneness, to function in close association with one another, which is a, can only be a supernatural thing because, again, look around. We're all different, different personalities, different desires, different wants, different experiences. But to dwell in unity means we come together and we function in close association with one another, a oneness in direction, Godward, a oneness in affection, We've got a lot of things. We've got our own families we love, our own, the things that are precious to us, but we're one in our affections. Christ is all. Oneness in our hope. We all need something, and Christ is what we need. Oneness in our mutual support and pushing one another to Christ, pushing one another Godward. There's a oneness there. Unity doesn't mean uniformity. It doesn't mean we're all alike. But it means that when we gather together, even with all of our differences, it means that there's harmony. We're on the same page as we gather this morning. We're here to meet with God. You're not here for me. You're not here for one another. Fundamentally, we're here to meet with our God. And David tells us it's not just pleasant. It's not just a pleasant experience when you gather together in unity. I mean, that's always a pleasant thing, right? But it's good. It's morally, it's a good thing when we gather together. And we're not 
coming together at each other's throats, and we're not coming together hostile, and we're not coming together irritated with each other. We're not coming together walking in the door already with a chip on our shoulder. And that, that immediately destroys the atmosphere, doesn't it? But it's good to experience unity. There really is nothing like it. And we know that there's nothing like unity most when we go through seasons of hardship, don't we? When we go through seasons of disagreement. Maybe think about disagreement in the church or disagreement in a family. Maybe that's more practical this morning. Man, you value unity when you're in a family that's broken up, don't you? It's at that moment you, you know how pleasant and good and precious unity is. In those moments, you'd give anything. If whatever happened to fracture the family or to fracture the church or to fracture the workplace, you'd give anything if you could just go back and just keep that event from happening. In our world today, there's a great polarization. There's a great divide. And man, it just makes unity so much more valuable. But one of the things we know, unity can be easily fractured. In fact, it can be you. It can be me that is the obstacle to unity. This very morning, as we gather together with a desire for oneness to seek God, it could be you or I. That's the obstacle that's keeping us from this blessing of unity. And that may work its way out in thousands of different ways. We already hit, Maybe you walk in the door with a chip on your shoulder. Maybe you walk in the door, you're already irritated with someone or something. Or, or it may be gossip and slander, an uncontrolled tongue, backbiting, nosiness. Maybe you're just in everyone's business. Maybe you're a know-it-all. Maybe I'm a know-it-all. And we have to, we think we, we got it all figured out. And why can't they just see things the way I do? We've all been there, right? A spirit that refuses to treat one another as a brother and sister in Christ. Man, that, that destroys unity. When there's that chip on our shoulder, and even in a building like this, we just we treat one another maybe as foreigners or strangers. So what David is doing here, he's pausing and he's saying, as these saints are preparing to gather together in the house of the Lord, pause and, and think about and understand, appreciate the goodness and the pleasantness of unity. Don't take it for granted because it's hard to come by. And he gives two illustrations here to kind of illustrate. And the first comes from the priesthood. You'll notice there in verse 2. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. He's talking about here the priesthood. Now the priest had a pretty, forgive me, funky job, right? If you think about the sacrificial system, you think about the job of the priest to kill and blood spewing everywhere and offering sacrifice, the priest probably didn't smell very good, right? Just, just honesty. And the blessing here is the oil that he offers up as part of that sacrificial system. It's poured on his head, and it flows down his cheek and onto that smelly robe. And there in that moment, that, that, that robe that is so funky and smelly and blood-stained is now filled with fragrant perfume. What a precious thing, right? You appreciate that. And then there's a, another illustration. David talks about in verse 3. It's like the dew of Hermon. Now, keep in mind the area we're talking about. It's a desert region. It's just dry ground. There's, there's 
dirt and dust everywhere. Mount Hermon was the highest mountain in that region. And what was unusual about Hermon is because of its elevation, large amounts of dew would fall upon it. And despite all around there was dirt and dust everywhere, you would look up on Mount Hermon, and because of the dew, there's leaf. There's greenery. There are blossoms. It, it, it just sticks out. It, just, it, doesn't, it doesn't fit in the scenario. It was an extraordinary place. It's a picture of flourishing plants and because of the heavy dew. And it was blessed because of that heavy dew. And that's what he's saying. That's what unity is like in the, in the church. It's like that heavy dew that, that produces that blessing of flourishing. That's what David's talking about, the blessing of unity. And this is something only God can do. Unity is something only God can create. He gives it. Well, it's our job not to mess it up. God is the one who has unified a bunch of strangers. You look around the room. We look different. We come from different backgrounds, different experiences. But here we are in this one room gathered together. Why? Because God has brought us together around one thing, around Christ, our common need for Christ, who he is and what he has done for us. He's the one who's created unity. Our job is to maintain it. Our job is don't mess it up. That's the blessing, to, to enjoy the unity that God has given to us. And so the question for us this morning as we prepare our hearts for prayer, are we experiencing that kind of unity? Even before we talk about unity in the church, it does begin with unity in our own soul. Are you experiencing this kind of unity with Christ in your own life? If there's disunity with Christ in your life, it will lead to disunity with, in the church. You will bring that into the room with you. And so this morning, restoration of unity begins with looking to Jesus, returning to Jesus. Disunity in the church begins with disunity in our own personal hearts. Maybe there's tension or disunity, a lack of peace. Well, ultimately, that's because there's disunity between you and God. But that has been made, that has been reconciled through Christ. You've got to go to him. Go to Christ this morning. He's the remedy for disunity. He's the one who can unite your heart together to God. And the overflow of that, with one another. So this morning, God calls us in his word to seek unity with one another. To seek unity with him. For us to gather together with hearts and motives and desires for him. His holiness, his glory, his greatness, his supremacy. He is all. May we prize peace the way that David says here. May we pray for the Lord to prosper us as a congregation. May the, we pray for the Lord to work in our own hearts, dealing with any hate, any strife, any anger, any pride, any resentment. May the Lord humble us for how good and pleasant it is when we gather together here on a Lord's Day morning in unity to pray and seek the face of God. As I was thinking about this this week, and this has kind of been on my heart for some time, you know, it's unity not only in this church, but we're not the only church in the area. We're not the only God-centered, Christ-thirsting church around. I think it's appropriate each Lord's Day as we gather together to pray for the other churches around us. So each Lord's Day, I'm going to bring to us as part of our prayer meeting 
another church that we also want to pray for as part of our ongoing desire for the work of the gospel. And this morning, I want us to be in prayer for Grace Church. It's in Memphis. Grace Church, Memphis. Grace Church is a, a wonderful church. You probably, some of you will know, most of you will not. Grace Church has had a tremendous influence on us as a church, on who I am, on who we are as a body. And uh, Grace Church is led by Jordan Thomas and Nathan Sawyer, who has filled the pulpit for me on a couple of occasions in the past, is, is an elder there. And so this morning, as we pray for our own hearts, as we pray for our own church, let's pray for Grace Church Memphis and uh, pray for the work of unity in that body, that congregation as well.